Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Horn, Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number three in my 50 most relevant is a brand new forward eligible option for us. Steel Sidebottom from the Collingwood Football Club. Hello, you've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. This is one of the final three episodes of the 50 Most Relevant. I hope you've been enjoying them every single day. 15, 20, 30-minute episodes talking through who I think are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy for the 2021 footy season. Joining me on this episode, I've gone Kiwi, bro, uh, all really quickly. Uh, he's been on pretty much half of them. I love chatting with him. Fellow panellist, Kane. Hello, buddy. How you doing? Very well, MJ. You've done very well. This so is going to be your 48th podcast. I have been lucky enough to be on quite a few of them. I've really enjoyed it. And still side bottom. I didn't see too many people put him at, you know, number three in the predictions that I saw flying around the internet. No, there were a lot of guys that had, you know, maybe Whitfield a little bit higher, maybe had Grundy a little bit higher. I think still, Neil as well. Yeah, Neil. Steel was inside the top 15 for, I think, most people. Yeah. But definitely this high. Why is he a number three? He is my highest-ranked forward-eligible player. Let's be honest, you probably know who my final two are. It shouldn't take too much rocket science to figure out who they are. But Steel side bottom. why is he the highest forward-eligible player? We're going to talk about that today because this 30-year-old Collingwood magpie knows how to put fantasy runs on the board for us. Last year's best ever score came in the same game against the St Kilda Footy Club for all formats. It was 126 in AFL Fantasy, unadjusted, while it was a 150 in Supercoach. Both those scores, nowhere really that close to his career-high numbers in Supercoach. It was all the way back in 2014 against the Carlton Footy Club. It was 179, while it was just 12 months earlier, 2019 against the Cats was his top fantasy and dream team score a 161 his afl fantasy and dream team average of 90.8 well that's adjusted up multiplying 1.25 for afl fantasy that delivers honestly for him what would have been deemed a career high fantasy year at 113.5 while in supercoach again a really strong season 109 in that format he's priced at you for five hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars yep it's a pricey penny, but nothing in contrast to the other formats. 841000 in AFL Fantasy and around about 1800 cheaper. 839200 in Dream Team. And Kane, we lost a bunch of forwards last year, didn't we? Petrarca, Simpkin, just to name a couple that were right at the top of the tree. Bailey Smith was one of the breakout picks amongst many, many others. But generally when we lose a forward, we gain a couple back. And Steel side bottom, for some in the fantasy community, not all, but for some, was the surprise addition we didn't know we needed until we got him. Yeah, MJ. Champion data does give us and take us away. And we've had some big forwards in the top 50. Just a quick little recap. We had Zorko, Marshall, Dusty, Dunkley, and Danger. Ooh. When you think about that, that is... Still a really heavy and competitive line. You throw in Isaac Heaney as yeah. well, who's pure forward. 
and Connor Rosie, who maybe if we'd done this podcast a little bit later, might be a little bit higher up. His He's on the hype train at the moment for people, that's for sure. He's definitely left the station, but um, that's a big line. Like, that's some serious key forwards. You talked about the, the crew that we lost, mm. and as we know, the reason we usually lose them is because they're... Midfielders? You know, <laughs> they become midfielders, which is obviously great. Um, but yeah, Steele obviously got the forward status halfway through last year in AFL Fantasy and was clearly on everyone's radar. It yeah. just happened to coincide with his four-game COVID suspension. So we had to be a little bit patient. And um, when he returned, he, he certainly returned with a bang before um, you know concluding his season for the birth of his child. So we can't really knock him in terms of you know injury or stuff like that. There was just a few uh, extenuating circumstances that caused him to only play the nine games. But that scoring power, MJ, that you mentioned, like 126 in a shortened game. It's huge. You know, multiple 120-plus scores. And when you look at it and you go, there's already, you know, 125 Supercoach, 150 or 141. Like, that's a third of his games over 125. You throw in pretty much everything else outside of that one giant game, which was a 60. Like, mm. the weight of numbers is what impresses me about Steele. It's when I so look big. at yeah, when I look at back to 2012, and his pretty much his scoring in DT has been 100 every year, and the ones that haven't have been a 96 and a 98. Yeah, right. There. So we know obviously that 2020 was adjusted up into you know the 110 range. Like he was a guy that you know he was always in that 10 to 15 range as a pure mid. Yeah. Um, his positive was always his durability. Like those numbers just speak for themselves. Outside of 2015, he's played 19 or more games in every year since 2012. Even if you go back to 2010, he played 21 games in just his second season. Um, he's just on the park. And in a line where we've got Dangerfield under under a cloud, yep. Dunkley's had an injury last year and obviously had some role concerns. Zorko's, you know, in the tail end of his career. Marshall's got... Role sharing. A, yeah, there's a lot of things that are just clouds that you can convince yourself to move away from them. Yeah. The thing with Steele is that's so appealing is the guy's on the park, he scores really well, and he's now a forward. And I just can't see him falling out of the top three forwards. And really, especially in DT and AF, he's probably the guy that starts number one for mine. In Supercoach, he's probably right in that mix as well, although yeah. I think there's some competition... You know, coming from below with you know a Dunkley, a Dangerfield, and probably a Rowan Marshall in particular. Sure. All those guys, um, when firing, pro- have a better Supercoach game than Steele does. You know, mm. Steele's actually normally a better DT scorer than Supercoach, whereas those other guys can be anywhere from five to ten point differential. Yeah, but MJ, you just can't knock ten years of reliability and scoring power, can you? Yeah, ten years of scoring power, ten years of really high scoring floor, and for the most part durability to go with it as well since 2010 he's only had one year where he hasn't played 20 games or more sorry two years and one of them was 19 so that's right up there last year if we deep dive into some of those nine games you've already alluded for why he played those nine games won that COVID breach second he went off to be a dad and then wanted to spend a good amount of time with his partner, with his brand new baby, and didn't want to re-enter into hub life because of that. So in those nine games, an average of 90.8 in Dream Team and Fantasy is up at that adjusted 113 
four pure tons, including that 126, three additional scores of 80 plus. 80s were the tons of 2020 in this format of the game. So seven of his nine games, it's a small sample size, but seven of his nine tons. Supercoach, that 109 average, five tons, two of them, huge games over 140. And just the one score under 93. So again, in this format, high scoring ceiling, really strong scoring floor, low scoring variation. That's what you want from your premiums. The 2019 season where he played 21 games, an average of 98.5 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 10 tons, four over 120, six additional scores between 90 and 99, and then just the three scores sub 80 all year. So he's not hurting you. And again, that's when he's midfield only. Convert those into forward numbers. That's incredible for a super coach. 94.2 in 2019. 10 tons. Three of them over 120. A little more scores sub 80. Just the five scores under that markup. But just incredible scoring ceiling durability. Has only missed three games in four years. That he's been available to play because we're removing some of those suspensions out of there. He's just been so good for so long and when we look at this forward line I can put a question mark on pretty much anybody some it's it's not there in permanent marker but you can on most on steel what's the question mark there's not a question mark on durability I just don't think that's warranted so let's move that out is there a question mark on his price point I'll argue that yep that's fine if someone said he's too expensive well sure okay has he got a ceiling about him? Yes, he does. Does he have a, a nice high floor? Yes, he does. Does he have a question mark on his role? I don't think he does. Because what is still side bottom at his absolute peak, he is one of the greatest outside runners in the game. His footy IQ to get into space is elite. He's not just an outside player that does damage and cuts you up although he does that, his just ability to position his body to be a first-touch player in stoppage is just phenomenal. And while there will be some new players coming through that Collingwood midfield unit, whether that be a Jordan Degoe, whether that be an increased time for Dacos or one of the Brown boys or any of these new draftees that have come in over the past 18 months, you know, whether it be Rantel, Bianco, McRae, etc. that's come through there. If Collingwood, with the players they have, still want to be a genuine finals threat, you're not taking still side bottom out of that midfield unit. Which means for me, I don't see how he's not in that top group of forwards. Yeah, I don't think he's outside of that group. The knock for me is the price point. Yeah. Because you're paying big bucks. You're paying career-high averages to still side bottom. So yeah. while I have no doubt that he's going to be a best forward, it's about do you start him or not. Clearly, you want him in your side at one point. I think the main thing you have to look at is when do I want him in my side? Do I want him in my side from the outset at this peak price? Mm. Or do I just try to time an upgrade? Again, this pesky round 14 buy Reels makes it, it really again. challenging because yeah. you know, do you want another round 14 guy on your side? Can you wait all the way until round 15? Probably not. And have him for the run home? You probably you probably could if it's your last, last upgrade. But, you know, we know it doesn't always work out like that. And sometimes you just have to get these guys when you get them. Um, so I think that's the tricky thing. Clearly, DT's is better, is better format. Like, I think if you're going to start him anywhere, 
it probably has to be DT. Yeah. I think AS, you're going to let him go just due to the price tag. I think you're going to try to find a more balanced squad, mm. um, which has clearly worked for a lot of people in the past in that format, just limiting the rookies and just getting, you know, 10 to 15 points of value pretty much in every player that you select. Yeah. And then Supercoach, again, he's probably one of those guys that it more depends on what happens to everyone else around him. You know, I think if a danger field is a no-go with his groin, you know, steel stock's going to rise. If we see Dunkley not playing in the midfield, people are going to gravitate to steel side bottom. I think it's more about other people than him because he's clearly one of the highest priced prospects. Yes. And again, while he's very good... Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all in that format if, if he dropped 10 points and was a you know, 99 flat 100 guy in that format, which, again, not bad. Yeah. But it does have him more as a you know top five, six guy as opposed to a top two, three guy. Um, and maybe you think you can get you know a Heaney or a Dusty and just go along that way. Um, so, yeah, it's nothing about his scoring or his durability. It's just do you want to pay that much for a guy he's probably not going to improve on his average. Yeah. So talk to me. A couple of days ago, you and I were on and we did a podcast episode around Lockie Neal. And we talked about how probably more in Supercoach than any of the other formats, um, because he's been so good for so long and, you know, the worst case scenario, you're still getting in him a 120 Supercoach guy that is a captaincy option and is still so far and ahead of or at least comparable to everybody that could peak in terms of their season, is still in that same conversation, maybe more for Dream Team. I, I agree. In AFL Fantasy, because of the adjusted averages and price point, I, I can't start a guy at that price, um, given the value that's there. But in Dream Team, is it the same line of argument that you go with that, or is it a little bit different with Steel? I think it's a little bit different, MJ, because I don't think Steel is actually a captain option. Yeah. The advantage of a Lockie Neal is... While I don't think he can improve on his average that he did last year in either format, he's still going to be so, so good. And he's still going to have so many big games. Mm. But I think I can recoup some of that value in having the captaincy on him. Yeah, I think that's the real important thing with the big, big dogs. You know, and it's probably, it's probably only, you know, really, we're going to be honest, it's probably only Gorn, Grundy and Neil to me that have that type of level where even if the scoring comes back a little bit, mm. the the number is still so big. And when you're factoring in a captaincy option, um, it can really set you apart. Again, as good as Jake Lloyd is, I don't know if you're going to have him scaling the same heights as those guys on a week-to-week basis. And I think that's what happens with Steele is that you're not really going to give him the captaincy too often. Yes. Again, you may throw him a vice captaincy and Collingwood does have some early fixtures, which is handy for that. But also, most teams are probably going to have a Grundy in it. How many times, MJ, do you think you're really going to throw steel the vice or the captaincy yeah. with Grundy in your team? I think that's, you know, maybe if it was, you know, versus a Melbourne, but typically that's a game that's played, you know, the last game of the round. Yep. Um, so I think that's the difference is while he's, you know, great in his line, when you're, when you're getting a guy that's probably a little bit overpriced and you really can't use him for the captaincy, um, I think that works against him. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. Look, for me in AFL Fantasy, he's an upgrade target. I, I, I couldn't go there. Just at that price point, you look through in AFL Fantasy, some of the potential, and I use that word loosely, you look at the guys that have potential upside at their price point. Josh Kelly, 
741,000 in that format. Again, is he going to be that pure midfielder? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but there's upside there. Rowan Marshall stormed home in the back half of the year once. And these are players we've already talked about in the 50 most relevant. Stormed home last year once he and Ryder got that combination right. There's value and upside there. Dusty Martin, if he starts strong, he's as good as anybody else through there in that format. Adelaide's Tom Lynch, he's been, he's you know 10 to 15 points of value potentially under there. Isaac Smith, similar. Does Jordan Degoe go into the midfield? If he does, he's got some value and upside from him. Isaac Heaney, who we've talked about through the 50 most relevant. Robbie Gray, not so much, but... Connor Rosie and Zach Butters, absolutely, they, they are presenting value for money options. And even if you want to go real crazy, someone like a Liam Ryan, who averaged, I think it was an adjusted 90 over the past three to five weeks of the year. Like there's guys at cheaper prices of one, two, three hundred thousand that could get within five to ten points of steel. And I feel much more comfortable to pick him when he maybe drops to 750k. DT, yeah, sorry, go. No, I was going to say, and we, we have to obviously accept that, like any of these players, and you know, Ben talked about it the other day with Dangerfield. Is you take them on, yep. There is a clear risk either way. If no you doubt. take them on, they can go big. That's why they're contending to be the number one player in their line. You have to know that you're running the gauntlet. Now, if you think there's a fixture that can, you know, mitigate that, and typically it's revolves around a tag. Mm. You know, if you think there's a game where he's going to get tagged you know, in the first six, seven weeks, and your intention is to bring him in around around 10, mm. hey, I love it. That's a plan. Work to your plan. You know, adjust your squad Go for it. accordingly. But just know that, and again, it's a risk. You can't have all the premiums, obviously. That's why the game is so interesting and fun. You have to miss some. And again, there's always that risk that they could go bananas. And Steel has the ceiling where he can string together a month of 125 plus. Like he's proven that, and he has that 150 plus ceiling that allows him to do that. But when you're overpriced, where I've got him, I think that risk is a bit more palatable because you know you can, you know, use your assets elsewhere and yeah. maybe collectively for the whole team offset some of the damage that Steel can do. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Look for me in detail. I'm prepared to pay the money to get him because I want who I think is the safest forward and one of the best scoring forwards for the year, I want them for as long as I can have them. And so for me in DT, is it overpaying? Maybe it is. But I just want him because I've got the most comfort in him as a pick and a player. And safe isn't a dirty word. Sometimes we think, oh, it's a vanilla selection. Well, vanilla gives you the option to go everywhere else around it. So for me in DT, I'm going to start him. I've got no question marks on him. Fantasy, I'm going to upgrade target him, and probably the same with Supercoach as well. Um, but if these other variables that you mentioned start to kick in around other players, then I think we're going to see people find a way to afford him in every single format. The reason he's in the top five is this. I think you need to have him in your side. Now, can you go against him for the year? Sure you can. You can do whatever you like. But for me, still side bottom's the kind of guy I want to have him in my side for as long as I can have him throughout the 2021 season. And so for me, Kane, the question is this when it comes to drafts. Where the heck do you take him? What, what's your pick on where this likely F1 for someone will go? Well, we spoke about yesterday with Whitfield that I had to knock him down a little bit due to the body, mm-hmm. due to the durability, due to the availability. Um, you know, history just says he's, he's prone to miss games. I know he didn't miss any last year despite the concussion, but um, there's a reason, you know, we look to history because often it does 
inform us of what's going forward. So with Steele, mm. you have to give him a tick the For other that. direction. He yeah. doesn't miss he doesn't miss games. He is the safest forward. Again, would I be betting that, you know, he could be the forward that would go one fifteen plus? No, I think, you know, Josh Dunkley's that mm-hmm. guy. But there is legitimate, you know, concerns with a guy like Dunkley. And yeah. For Steele, I think he's probably MJ in that Again, I'll, I'll just undercut Whitfield slightly and say he's probably in that six to ten range. Yep. Um, again, I think there's a massive consensus that Gorn, Grundy, Lloyd, and Neil are all probably going one through four. Yes. And now it depends. You know, where do you rank? You know, he's probably going up against a Laird, a Whitfield. I think Riley O'Brien's in that conversation with too. a clear gap in Ruckman after that. Um, and then how much do you love a Dunkley, a Dangerfield? So for mine, you know, I think Sidey, Laird, Whitfield, O'Brien, for me, are probably battling that next four. Mm-hmm. Um, depending how you split it, depending, you know, you know, we know drafting is about playing against other people. You know, if they have a leaning one other way, you know, maybe you can, you know, pull the wool over their eyes a little bit. But I just think if you're going six to seven on steel side bottom, He's probably not the guy that separates you. And the concern would be at that point, MJ, that on your next pick, you probably need a mid who's going to be your captain guy because it still reverts back to a 100, which is great for a forward. Um, I don't know if you want to give Steele that armband every week. So I yeah. think if you couple Steele side bottom at pick seven, six, seven or eight, and then you come back and can get a Kelly, a Crouch, um, you know, one of those guys that we know is 110 plus. Again, you'll, you'll get a look at a McRae, a Merritt, um, a Trelaw. Like there's, there's so many of these great mids that can be your support M1. player, M1, alongside a steel side bottom. Yeah. And maybe by taking steel side bottom, then you do put a bit of pressure on people to grab forwards. You yeah, know, maybe start a you run. Push, maybe you push a Dunkley a bit more up the order or a danger foot and it allows you to get that really good mid. Like there's just a blanket of mids yeah. that I think taking a forward or a back or a ruck is a really valid strategy this year but I, I would want to pair him with a guy that I think on the turn know, could yeah. probably average more than him um, as a mid yeah I think that's a fair enough call too man all right there you go that is uh, we've got steel side bottom in at number three in the 50 most relevant will you be starting him will you be upgrading to him let us know uh, reach out over social media and have your say about these players you can reveal all the other players that we've revealed you've got articles online to go alongside these podcast episodes at coachespanel.tv and now there's just two players left to go Kane without guessing the order maybe you'll guess it right who knows who do you think the two last players are I'm going to go Max Gorn yep and Jake Lloyd yep order if you ask me in 10 minutes, I'll probably change my mind. And to be honest, I'm not really that envious that I don't have to make the call. I think, I know you've had a few sleepless nights tossing and turning, <laughs> looking at fixtures, and it's it's the matrix of just numbers flying across the screen. But um, I think it's pretty clear. These two guys are season-defining players. Mm. Um, you know, the decision to start them or not to start them is going to have a huge bearing on your ranking. Yeah. And it's... It's something that I'm definitely weighing up and we've spoken about so many other players in this top 50 and a lot of it comes back to these two guys. We know how chaotic that ruck line is. We've spoken about, you know, how Marshall can help, how yeah. Bruce, what Bruce can do, what Grundy can do. 
And then in defence, you know, we've just done Whitfield yesterday. We've spoken about Laird's potential. You throw in a guy like Luke McDonald, who's the absolute X factor, mm. but they're all trying to stack up against this guy, Jake Lloyd, who yeah. unbelievably, year on year, seems to improve and not miss a game. Yeah. So it's going to be big. Um, again, it's definitely season-defining, and it's something that, I think if you get it right, you're a long way to a really good year. Yes, I totally agree. So there you go. I'll, I'll tell you the answer is yes. They are the top two players. But what order have I landed on? We will tell you, and you will figure it out in 24 hours. Unless you're part of our Patreon. They already know. They've already figured it out. You can join at coachespanel.tv.